Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa. So gather around. I have another story I would like to share with you today. So I have been reading in my Bible in the Old Testament, and I'm to this story about David's great sin. Well, you already know that story. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. Let me read a couple of verses, and then we'll abbreviate the story. The story starts like this. Then it happened in the spring of the time, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. Well, you know the rest of the story. David then sent for Uriah from the battlefield, brought him home, tried to entice him to go home to his wife, but Uriah was an honorable man, and he said he couldn't do such a thing while his fellow soldiers were sleeping in tents and fighting in battles. So David tried to uh, intoxicate him one night and then sent him home to be with his wife. He was still an honorable man, and even in an intoxicated state, he wouldn't go home to his wife. So then David sent him back to the battlefield with a a note to Uriah to put him in the front line of the battle, and then to withdraw from him so that he would be killed in battle. In other words, he conspired with Joab for Uriah to be killed in battle. He conspired to murder this husband of Bathsheba, with whom he had conceived a child. Uriah was, in fact, killed in battle, and after a time of mourning, the Bible says that David took Bathsheba to be his wife. And then in the end of that chapter, the last sentence says, but the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, now listen, this is David, the psalm writer of Israel, the composer of most of the songs the psalms that are in the book of songs the book of psalms this is david who is the worshiper of god the man after god's own heart what happened to this man well i'll tell you he took a second look you see it's not wise for you and me to take even the first look And I tell the young men in my discipleship groups and in my Sunday school classes, don't take the first look and you won't get hooked. Now, that's really an, an application to pornography. 
For you understand that pornography is everywhere in our society. It flashes up on computers. It's in advertisements. It shows up in the middle of movies. And I tell the young men that I teach, don't take the second look. And that's what David did. You know, he should have known better. He should have turned his eyes away immediately. Whatever captures your mind captures you. Why is that? Well, because it leads to gratifying the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse um, 16 and 17, the Bible talks to us about not gratifying the flesh. The Bible talks to us about staying away from giving in to the desires of the flesh. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. You see, when we allow our fleshly desires to dominate in our lives, we don't walk in the Spirit. We walk by the flesh. And whatever captures your mind eventually captures you. If we let fleshly desires control us, then we give in to the flesh and we make provisions for the flesh. We begin to gratify the flesh. And that's what this king, who was known as the worshiper of God, the psalm writer of Israel, he began to make provisions for the flesh. And this, this applies to all fleshly desires, not just sexual desires. The inordinate lust for even a new vehicle or a new boat or a new house or, or even a second house in the mountains or at the beach or, or even just a new dress or new shoes. You, you get my drift. You understand what I'm saying here. Any kind of inordinate desire can begin to control our lives. Whatever captures your mind will eventually capture you. And that's why the Bible tells us that the desires of the flesh are contrary or in opposition to the desires of the Spirit. So, David made a provision to fulfill his fleshly desires. And rather than looking away, he sent and made an inquiry. He wanted more information. Then he sent and took this woman. And then he lay with her, and she conceived. She became pregnant. Well, you know the old saying, if they lie, they'll cheat. If they'll cheat, they'll steal. And if they steal, they'll kill. That's the inevitable progression. And you see, that's what happened in David's life. He took a second look. Then he sought for more information. And then he stole another man's wife. And then he conspired to commit murder. And then he murdered the woman's husband. And then later, after the time of mourning, he took her as his own wife. And the Bible says, But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, up to this point in the narrative, David was the golden boy. Everything he did and everything he touched turned to gold. The Bible says that David's triumph was heard throughout the land. 
Everything he did prospered. Everything he did had the blessing of the hand of God upon him. The good hand of the Lord was upon David's life. What happened? The arrogance of position and the arrogance of power began to control his life. He was no longer the humble shepherd boy, the youngest son of Jesse, who by God's strength slew the lion and the bear and eventually slew Goliath. He was now the king of Israel. He could do pretty much whatever he pleased. So he stole another man's wife. He committed adultery with impunity and he murdered to cover up his crime. And the Bible says that the thing that David did was evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, all things are open and laid bare before God with whom we have to do. All things are open and laid bare before him to whom we must give an account. The Bible says, where can you go from God's spirit? Or where can you flee from his presence? Listen, if you ascend to heaven, God is there. If you make your bed in Sheol, behold, he is there. If you take the wings of the dawn, and if you dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there God's hand will lead you, and his right hand will lay hold of you. If you say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not darkness to God, and the night is as bright as the day, darkness and light are alike to God. Where can you flee from the presence of God? Listen, there's nowhere that you can go. Nothing that you do or even that kings do is hidden from the sight of God. And there are always consequences. Even kings must give account to God Almighty. So what were the consequences of David's sin? Well, you know the story. Nathan the prophet came to King David and told him that the baby would die, that the sword would not depart from his house, and that his companion would lie with his wives even in broad daylight. Well, there's a verse in the book of James, chapter 2 and verse 14, that says, When lust has conceived, it will bring forth sin, and when sin is fully accomplished, it brings forth death. You see, the baby that Bathsheba bore to David ultimately died. And that book, that verse in the book of James is so true, not just in David's life, but in the life of so many folks who've allowed sin, who've allowed lust to bring forth sin in their lives, which ultimately, when it is fully accomplished, brings forth death. The fruit of the flesh is contrasted with the fruit of the Spirit in the Scriptures. And we get to choose. You see, the fruit of the Spirit brings forth life and peace. When we choose the fruit of the Spirit, it brings in our lives life and peace. That's Galatians chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 6. But if we choose to sow to the flesh, it brings forth corruption. And that's what was happening in David's life. He sowed to the flesh. 
and it brought corruption into his family. So David made his choice, and rather than receiving the blessing of God, it brought a curse into his family. Well, then in chapter 12, in 2 Samuel, Nathan the prophet shows up in his life. And Nathan spoke to him and rebuked him, reproved him, shared with him a story of two men. And these two men had had sheep. There was a rich man who had lots and lots of sheep and goat. And one one man had one little ewe lamb that he loved. And he nursed that little lamb and fed it from his cup and held it in his arms at night. And then the Bible says that the rich man had a friend who came to town. And he took the poor man's one little lamb and sacrificed it to feed his guest. Well, when David heard the story, he was enraged. You know, David was a shepherd boy at one time. (laughs) And he used to nurse little lambs in the very same way when he was a young shepherd boy. So this story enraged him. And he said to Nathan, who is this man? He must die. And then Nathan looked at him and said, thou art the man. You are the man. You are the man who has a multitude of wives, and you stole Uriah's one wife. Now, it's a fearsome thing to rebuke a king, and you know that. And Nathan's life was in peril at that very moment. And yet the Bible tells us in verse 13 that when Nathan rebuked him, that David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Oh my goodness, what a response. You see, the Bible also tells us that the Lord Lord accepts a broken and contrite spirit. He doesn't reject a broken and contrite spirit. And at that moment, the arrogance of power disappeared. And in its place, the true heart of King David was revealed. A heart of humility, a broken and contrite spirit when he was confronted with his sin. And David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And there was no arrogance of power any longer. There was no anger against Nathan the prophet. And David dealt honestly with his sin. He didn't hide it any longer. He didn't deny it or try to cover it up. And let me tell you this, the true test of mature Christians is what they do with their sin. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. So what does the mature Christian do with their sin? Do they hide it? Do they cover it up? Do they slough it off? No, no. Oh, no. The mature Christian in humility confesses to God and to others. The Bible says if we confess our sins that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The mature Christian then asks Holy Spirit to rule and to reign in their lives, to sit on the throne of their heart, and to live the life of Jesus Christ through them. And then he makes things right with others that he may have offended, and he tries to restore broken relationships. And with the help of Holy Spirit, he tries to walk in integrity and faithfulness. But he also realizes that there are always consequences of sin, just like there were consequences of sin in the life of King David. There's a story of a man who disciplined his his children. And every time he disciplined his children, he would go on the back steps and he would drive a nail 
in the back door. And then when things were right between him and the children, he would take a hammer and he would pull the nail out of the door. One of his sons, when he became a teenager, he would look at all the nail holes in the door and he inquired to his of his father and he said, Dad, when we were small, every time you disciplined us, you would drive a nail in the door. And then when we all made up and everybody was happy again, you would pull the nail out. But Dad, look, look at all the nail holes in that very nice wooden door. It, the door is scarred. It's, it's almost ruined. And his father looked at him and said, Son, that's exactly right. You see, there are always consequences of sin. And you see, David made things right between him and God, but there were still consequences of his sin. The baby that Bathsheba bore still died. The sword never departed from David's house. And even though he, in humility, confessed his sin, and even though the Bible tells us that God forgave him of his sin, the consequences of that sin never departed from his house. You see, brothers and sisters, we cannot take license with the grace of God. We cannot sin with impunity and say, oh, God will forgive me. There'll still be nail holes in the door. There are always consequences to sin, and we must always remember that. So here's the question. What do mature Christians do with their sin? But a better question is that, is how do mature Christians avoid sin? Let me suggest to you that we never take the first look. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.